what? You know, I was completely blindsided in that moment. Um, and you just said, I'm not over what happened. You're listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Chris and Jana are parents of three, life and business partners who share their personal development techniques so you can grow yourself and grow your marriage. Ben and Megan Baleen. <laughs> they just shook their head. I always say your last name wrong. But it's we've been friends Baleen. for so long. Like you have a bowel movement and you lean with it. Baleen. I always say Baleen. Baleen. Chris Farrell. <laughs> okay, this is a serious episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast, guys. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> This is Megan's first shot at a podcast, (laughs) and see, Ben's the type of guy that he thinks he's an expert in everything, so he sat down, and dude sounds like he's on the radio, uh, and he has no shame in his game. Real fast, let's hear your radio voice. Hey, ladies. This is Grizzle Style (laughs) on the 101. (laughs) I think you might get a job offer from this. Uh, Thanks. (laughs) Guys, so today... We are talking about a pretty heavy subject here, uh, but th- the thing that's interesting about this is, for those of you that don't know Ben and Megan Balleen, Ben and Megan, I actually went to college with, and they're really good friends, have been good friends since, and the cool thing is we've still maintained a relationship after college. Um, <laughs> ben shaking his head no. Ben is, yes. And the thing about this topic being a heavy topic, it's hard for us to just uh, have a serious conversation because we always have fun with this couple. I'm sure some of you listeners have friends that are like this. You just have a good time with. And um, Ben and Megan are always the life of the party. Megan is way cooler than Ben. Um, Obviously. Yeah, way, way, way cooler than Ben. Uh, <laughs> Megan is Megan is a sweetheart. And she is, uh, she is always just an encouraging friend and a great person to be around. And Ben, I mean, like, you, you can kind of take him in small doses, right, babe? <laughs> That pretty ben, much I like you. Ben. I think we could end there. Yeah, Ben. I'm sorry. I like you. Thanks. I think you're a great person. Thanks. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All Somebody's right. Somebody's already like turning it off. Right. Fast forward. And like, hey, I thought this was supposed to be serious, and it is. Quite honestly. Yes. So before we get started, we're just really thankful to have them on the podcast today because the topic we are going to discuss today is growing through infidelity. And Ben and Megan have an amazing story to share. And guys, this is vulnerable for anybody. But I think the important thing is to understand that those of you listening is your problems aren't as unique as you think they are if you have gone through this or you're even going through this. And so we're just thankful that you guys are here to actually speak truth into a tough situation like this because you guys have grown through this. And the fact that you're coming on and publicly airing this out with the intent of helping other people either avoid the situation or grow through it is phenomenal. So thank you guys. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Okay. So before we dive into the the meat of the story here, uh, tell us a little bit just about you guys. How long you've been married? How long yeah. you've been together? <laughs> you can go ahead and get this, Megs. Okay. We met in 2007 and started dating later that year. And we dated for four years through college and ended up getting married our summer after we graduated in July of 2011. And 
Yeah, so we've been married for eight years. Yeah. I have a bitter flashback to your wedding day because I was really insulted because Chris didn't take me as his date and we were dating. Well, in all fairness, one of their best friends was my ex-girlfriend, so... (laughs) So you shouldn't have (laughs) taken your current girlfriend? That makes no sense. That does not. No, people are booing you right now. They didn't like you. You guys didn't like me yet. That is not true. We weren't friends yet. That is a false statement, Chris, that you just said. They didn't even know you. She doesn't even go here. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Anyways. Anyways. We were just barely... We had just literally started dating in July 2011, so we had just started dating, to be fair. Well, it was July 31st, so you had at least had a couple of weeks to. Yeah. Yeah. That was like she one was of his still first. Behind the scenes. That was one of his first wrong moves, not taking me in public yet. Yeah, you Anyways. guys probably already kissed by then, right? Definitely. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So. Deep voice again. I got, I got to say, I know I always saw you guys as like this happy, loving couple. You've been together forever, especially I feel like at your college, a lot of people got married really fast and you were one of the few that actually by spring were together for a while yeah Yeah. before getting married so yeah we dated all four years and waited until after we graduated we weren't trying to rush into anything although i knew ben knew from the first day he met me that i would be the one the one so true (laughs) okay so like any couple you guys have gone through ups and downs as we all do but i would venture to say for a younger couple, you guys have been through some of the toughest of situations. So Megan, if you want to start me out by just telling us a little bit about where I kind of call it like the breakdown, mm-hmm. <laughs> where the breakdown, what happened in your marriage that started to make things a little more stressed, a little rocky, a little less playful and easy, I guess. Honestly, looking back, I can see where the beginning of the breakdown was, but in the moment I was never thinking like, oh my gosh, we're breaking down. I just thought, you know, this is life and life is hard. And I thought we were okay until we weren't. Um, But I would say around in 2015, we had started infertility treatments. And obviously that's a hard time for anyone to go through. You're on a lot of hormones, a lot of drugs. There's stress on your relationship. But even in the midst of that, you know, I thought we were okay. Ben was always super supportive and saying, you know, we'll get through this. It's okay. Even if we can't have kids, I don't, we can adopt. There wasn't pressure on me, but I would say that was definitely the beginning of the breakdown for me looking back. So you felt like, I guess it makes sense sometimes when we're in the middle of it, you don't really see it. It's hard not to talk to her. Sometimes when, when when we're in the middle of it, it's hard to see what's actually going on. So now looking back, though, do you feel like the stress of the infertility treatments and wanting to have a child were something that started to strain your marriage? Or do you think that you guys were closer because of the support Ben was giving you and just the, I mean, your team going through something like that? I honestly think that the strain on me was the beginning of the issue. Not necessarily. I mean, obviously, our marriage suffered, but I think I ended up in a bad place. I think that I thought, I'm okay, and even though I'm on all these drugs and and I feel really distant from Ben and I feel a certain way, I still thought I was fine. And I, just looking back, remember my mind being so cloudy 
And I mean, Ben and I have obviously talked about this a ton since 2015. And he always tells me, I had no idea that you felt distant. I I felt like we were good. I felt like things were great. And so just that lack of communication and looking back and seeing, man, I felt so far away, but I didn't even know how to tell him. I just thought we were fine. We always talk about communication and how that is almost the key to the castle in every instance, intentionality, communicating in your marriage and things. And so Ben, from your perspective, looking back, now do you see what the breakdown was or are there any things that you feel like, hey, I could have shown up in a different way? You know, I was actually thinking that as we were sitting here, as she was saying this, and I had no clue. There was no signs. There was no, I don't know. It was just, it was very odd. Um, because I thought we were living our day-to-day life. Um, and when the incident happened, I was so surprised. I was, I, I didn't even know what to do, um, because I thought our relationship was perfect. I mean, I'd come home, we'd have dinner, we'd hang out. Of course, we had a lot of sex due to the fact that we were in infertility. Um, and I thought life was great. Um, so (laughs) unbeknownst to me, it wasn't, I want to bring this up because I know who you guys are and I know you're a fun loving couple and I know, I know the way you guys have interacted over the years. Do you feel like there's a level of, Hey, we, we trusted each other so much that boundaries didn't matter as much. And so was this potentially a result of, Hey, we didn't actually set boundaries until we knew we had to. I don't want to feel like our relationship is ever on a leash. I I want us to be able to be, I mean, there's a fence, but we're not on a five foot leash at all times because. What do you mean by that? Be, be specific. Um, I want to make sure that I trust my, um, my wife to be able to go out and for instance, if she wants to go dance with her girlfriends, she can go dance with her girlfriends. If she wants to go out to eat with just her girlfriends, she's fine with that. Or with me, vice versa. If I want to go on a guide trip to the lake or, uh, do whatever with my guys, go to a concert. Um, I mean, I'm probably the only one that can dance out of my friends. No, uh, <laughs> True. Yeah, if you're putting me in your Chris friend category, yes, I'm putting you in my friend category. Um, but like, I want to go out and hang out with my guys, go to a Friday night football game, and not worry about the situation. But there's also that fence around um, our relationship. Should be um, there should be something there, but I don't know if it was really kind of like talked talked about. Like, ah, uh, you probably shouldn't be Snapchat snapchatting that girl or oh you shouldn't probably text message private things to uh uh, guys that are not a part of our inner circle so i think that that's something chris was leading with is we always talk about boundaries and from the beginning of our marriage something i don't know with the opposite sex with yeah an older couple i think told us like hey you got to set boundaries. You don't let things in your marriage. Don't ever, you know, for instance, that one of their hard and fast rules was we don't go to lunch with opposite sex. So when I worked in the corporate world and Chris worked at the gym, that was a rule that 
we were pretty strict on like it doesn't matter if it's just like coworker that Chris knows and likes and trusts. We just didn't we we didn't want to let those things tempt us. So I think that that's where Chris is going with boundaries as far as like did you guys feel like you trusted each other so much because I know Megan and I have talked about the incident, which we can start to dive into a little bit and how it just happens so fast when you don't even, you know, you're not planning on it. Nobody plans to cheat on their spouse. I don't think. Right. I don't feel like in this situation, it was one of those clear boundaries where, yeah, I wasn't going to lunch with this guy every day. I wasn't, um, it just wasn't one of those situations that would immediately jump out at you like, okay, yeah, this is a terrible idea. It honestly snuck in from my point of view. He was remodeling our bathroom, so he just was at our house frequently, um, and that's kind of where it started. So it wasn't a situation where it was a clear boundary, but I do know that when you are in sin or in a really challenging time, your vision gets blurry. And suddenly things that when you're not in that situation look so vividly clear, like, okay, this is wrong. You should stop. You start to kind of listen to that voice in your head that that talks you into it and says, like, this isn't that big of a deal. Or you start to justify and tell yourself, like, oh, no. I mean, you and I talked before recording and you were like, hey, we trust each other. We're just having a conversation. Why, you know, Ben wouldn't care about this. You start to tell yourself these. So is that how, so that's just how it all started. You, you just communicated with somebody who was around you. Yes. In that moment, obviously, if you, if any of the listeners have ever gone through infertility, you're in a point of feeling like you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. And you're just, honestly, you kind of feel like a hot mess in that moment. At least I did. And then suddenly there was this guy who was around a lot and kept repeatedly telling me how great I was and how awesome I looked and and all of these things. And at first I was like, okay, thanks. You need to back up. But Ben and I were together for, well, dating eight years at that point, dating for four and married for four, right? Math is not my strong suit. (laughs) Yes, I just did it in my head. Yes. So, I mean, if you've been married for any point of or any length of time, you know, the butterflies and that stuff, it wears off after some point and it's, it's a little different. And so that newness kind of caught my eye. Well, I can speak from experience, which you know, and I'm going to put myself in a vulnerable place here as well, um, where I had a conversation with a coworker and it was very casual and, you know, Chris and I were in a weird spot where we, we didn't have this wonderful communication in our marriage and, and Chris, we were coasting. We were, yeah, we were just coasting through and, and yes, I, we would only been married for a year at that point and somebody started giving me attention and it feels good. And especially, and not to put you on blast, but you weren't giving it to me at that point. I wasn't. And not that, it justified it, but I can see how easily in that time, especially because I mean, I was totally in love with you and I still let that in because it felt good. So it's something that if somebody's listening right now, you think it's innocent to just take those compliments from somebody or start to have that feeling. But as soon as that feeling comes, you have got to cut it off because 
I mean, yeah. it, yeah. Well, I'll bring the blunt aspect to this. So with experience with that in our marriage early on, I feel like something that kind of sticks out to us is, well, the reason that Jana was in that position is because she wasn't happy overall, right? Because there was something lacking. I know you guys talked about the infertility and all those things and Ben Ben kind of not knowing like, hey, like it, it being something that blindsided him. So for me, yes, I was blindsided with, you know, just, just the overall conversation that, that Jonna was opening up with this other guy. And I'm thankful it never went any further than just the conversation. But I realized like, dude, I'm not stepping up in these specific areas. So to put it bluntly, do you guys think there's truth to, and you can disagree if you want, is there truth to saying ben that? Ben always disagrees with right. me. <laughs> is That's there, true. Yes. Is there some truth to saying that happy people don't cheat? Super blunt, I know. That's hard. You start talking, I'm still thinking. I don't want to say that there's any type of person who wouldn't do something because I think that's a dangerous statement. I think that the moment you think I would never do that, you are very susceptible to doing that. The Bible says that pride comes before the fall. And I was in that position of thinking I would never do that. And I think Ben thought we would never go through that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our friends, a lot of our community when they found out what was going on, they were like, wait, what? You no, guys? Yes. We can we can speak from that. There's no way we would have ever seen that happening. You're definitely the couple, yeah. the couple that were like. Thanks. So <laughs> You I, still are. I, I do think, obviously, if you are feeling fulfilled in your marriage and we are firm believers in God and faith is a large part of our lives and if you are in great relationship with the Lord and that's overflowing into your marriage as it should, obviously, yes, I think that cheating and fidelity is far less likely. Still not impossible because we're human. But if that is your fault and that is what um, is kind of resonating in yourself, you're always going to battle through it. But it's always knowing that God is right there to help you through the situation. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't disagree with whatever you said there makes whatsoever due to the fact that I know that God can carry you through anything um, due to the things I had to deal with in my past and what we've dealt with in our situation. Um, I think that God kind of carries us through um, any situation that we need to be in. So I want to kind of talk about the ripple effect of what this incident led to um, for you, Ben, because I know that, when you think about, okay, how would I react in a situation, right? You guys have the utmost trust for each other. This happens. And I know you were gone a lot, Ben. You were you were traveling the country, um, opening up franchises for a company and working a successful job. And at some level, based on our conversations, you were finding your identity in what you were achieving at the time. So take me deeper into the story at after Megan cheated, what happened? Yeah. Um, so when I found out the news, well, it was crazy how I found out. Um, I was downstairs watching TV, probably Sports Center, probably Discovery Channel, River Monsters, whatever. Shout out River Monsters. I don't even know why I just said that. That's hilarious. <laughs> we'll tag them for you. Yeah, tag them for me. Um, but um, 
I went upstairs and I swung up in the door just to scare because I always scare Megan. It's like I'm pretty sure I should start a YouTube channel scaring Megan. Like I set up my phone the other day to scare and it was quite funny. And she even knew I was sitting in the closet. Sorry, I just went down a rabbit hole there. Totally. Wait, but now I want to see this video. Then this is just who you are. But yeah, this is just who I am. Um, So I swing open the door and she like hops up like a preteen boy looking at porn or something like that. I've never been compared to that before. I mean, I'm just trying to give like the visual, like for someone that's listening right now. And I was like, well, that was weird. Like, so I went over there and I said, can I see your phone? And she's like, uh, no. And I was like, okay, what's going on? So she told me, Needless to say, I said a few words that I probably shouldn't have said, um, told her to get out of the house. Um, she didn't want to get out of the house, so she got out of the house. Um, and I was I was completely done. I was, I don't know. I mean, I all I saw was the color red. Um, and now you guys had a child at this point, right? No. You didn't? We didn't have Brooklyn. I thought you had Brooklyn. Not yet. No, we okay. didn't have Brooklyn at the time. Okay. Oh. Um, yeah. But were you, just to rewind, just were you guys, you guys were going through the process of getting your adopt foster license, Not adoption yet. license? At this Not point, when no. it first okay. happened in 2015, we were still doing infertility treatments. Okay. Yep. Okay. God, That's we right. Still doing that. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, no, it's fine. We worked on things with ourselves. We didn't, we said we incorporated God, um, but I don't think we really did. Um, I think that, um, we talk to each other. See, th- I'm a kind of guy that I, uh, let things roll off my back really quick. Like it's happened, whatever. I see a new life in you. Let's move on, you know, in my mind. But what ended up happening is that <clears throat> as you were saying, Chris, I had a successful career in franchising. Um, I was, um, in operations, had about 60 franchisees that were underneath of me, um, and I had day-to-day conversations with them. So I was kind of living a different life, um, understanding this like bougie life compared to my home life in Eastgate. <clears throat> and I'm like, ooh, that looks like kind of like a like a shimmery thing to a fish. You know, I kind of want to go at it. It's attracting me. Um, and then I started traveling. So my identity was, um, my companies, you know, a sexy brand, you know, something that was luxurious. So when I would come in, I was been from corporate. So I lived this life of, Hey, even though that I was only pulling in 70, $75,000 a year, I felt like I was the big champ that was pulling in 400, $500,000 a year due to the fact that what I was living, um, So, of course, that came into, with that kind of confidence, came into meeting people that were the instructors and uh, going to people's houses and, like, enjoying time with them. Now, was I having sex with any of these or doing anything else than that? No. I was just, Ben is Ben. I, I give a lot of compliments to people. You have a very naturally like flirty, happy personality. Yeah, I am very I, I I I will compliment a girl in a heartbeat. Not due to the fact of, man, she's sexy. It's more of, 
Hey, I really like that shirt. Or, hey, you, did you just get a haircut? You're like, like the or gay best you, friend who's not gay. Yeah, you kind of are. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll like you go that. and you'll but, dance. But and you look like a lumberjack. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, perfect for mix, sure. really. Yeah, perfect mix. So you're like the gay lumberjack best friend. So isn't that <laughs> what's true. called in the uh, gay community a bear? If I remember right. <laughs> you kind of look like a bear, too. So. Yeah, exactly. That's why my... My Instagram. I like Hashtag how you're asking gristle <laughs> underscore style. I like how you're asking <laughs> you for followers? that that question, right. but you actually know 100 percent that that's a bear, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's 100% he just a bear. didn't want to sound super confident in that, but he actually knows. <laughs> yeah, we won't. Yeah. Anyway. Coming out day was yesterday. If you have anything to <laughs> no, say here. there's nothing. No, there, there's seriously nothing there. I'm just. Thank goodness. I've just been called a bear before by individuals. So. um that's just okay. So back to what we need to talk to. Once again, there's going to be back a lot of out rabbit of the hole. rabbit hole. Yeah, really. Like we've made like many tunnels on this rabbit so, hole. So let's do a quick recap. Okay. So after Ben got this news, he and Megan were still struggling with the infertility. There, there was still a lot of a lot of resentment. Maybe that Ben that you were repressing, and then when you did get the job and you were traveling and you were being wined and dined by by these corporate people and living this different life, it became something that was attractive to you and and you were really finding your self-image in achievement and in kind of living this different life that was very separate from at home. And now you can get to Yeah, I mean, that's because I would be gone from Sunday to Friday have a day off on Saturday and Sunday, and then I'd fly out Sunday night. Um, so it was like getting away completely. Like I only had to be at home for a day and a half, and then I was gone to the next place. I want to add that I think that progressively got to that point too, because right after that night that you came into the room and asked to see my phone and I told you everything. It was kind of, if I remember correctly, a three-day period where you were just livid. I was in limbo and I was devastated. It was kind of that moment where you're like in a daydream and someone slaps you and wakes you up. And I was just like, what, what have I done? Like, what was I even doing? And in that moment, I, you had said, let's just forget about this. Let's, you know, we're going to, we're just going to start fresh and we're going to move on. And I don't want to talk about it again. And I was like, okay, because I knew you could let things roll off your back. That was your personality. And I thought if this is how he, he wants to deal with it, then fine. At that point, I was willing to give you anything because I did want to save our marriage, even though I had almost destroyed it. And so you weren't traveling a ton at that point, if I remember correctly, but over time it began to snowball and you would start volunteering to travel more and more because I think it was a good distraction for you. You were immersed in that culture and then you'd come home on the weekends and rudely be reminded about your reality. And I think that was really hard for you. Yep. So do you think it's fair to say that you kind of lost your identity in who you were as a man in your marriage and then found it in your work? Uh, 
Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, for sure. Um, due to the fact that I was, I mean, I was on the road all the time. So you still get the happy, everything's cool. Like this has been, he's funny. He, um, it's crazy. He, um, will just talk to you about anything, but people are hearing that. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Everyone knows that. Just now. rewind like 15 minutes back. You'll hear a random <laughs> rabbit hole story. But with that being said, shout out river monster. Yeah. <laughs> shout out. Oh gosh. <laughs> Maybe I'll get on the show now. That'd be sweet. No, but anyway, <laughs> fish on. <laughs> so, you know, I watch it. <laughs> so, but then when I go home, like it was like, okay, I'm back at this situation um, where I still like when people, when we'd go out to dinner and stuff, people still didn't know what the situation was going on. Um, yes, at this point, we didn't tell anyone. None of our friends knew. Oh, no. No, no one knew. So did you guys kind of feel like almost like you were living a lie a little bit? I don't know. I mean, I guess so. Um, maybe not to me in a way. You know what I mean? Because do you tell everyone what you're going through? During that time, kind of, because we, we have a podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, well, but you majority, guys don't count. no, you but guys, most people don't. Most yes. like ninety nine point nine percent people, when they're having a fight, they're not running right. to their mom, and that's healthy. That's a healthy yeah. relationship. Um, like not running to your parents because all of a sudden, then your parents will have resentment mm-hmm. towards your husband or your wife, and vice versa. Like if like something is going on, and like oh, I'm not even. Gonna well, so, track what I was say. so let me ask you guys this. You feel like when you did open up, because I know Megan and I had some conversations, Megan and Donna had some conversations because it was, it was to the point where Megan, you felt like you guys couldn't save your marriage because of, hold on for a second. You never had conversations with me. I did. <laughs> me and you went to lunch. Remember me and you went to lunch and it was after I had spoken with Megan me and you went to lunch, and I, actually, we'll get into that in, in a second because I, I remember our exact conversation. But I was going to ask you this, Megan, because you reached out for the community. Looking back, do you, do you think that was a huge contributor to basically, you know, finding the support? And would you recommend someone, you know, create a small community of people that they could trust? Absolutely. I first of all, if you're a believer. That's biblical. And what Ben was saying is absolutely correct. You don't need to run to people with every little issue and say, he left his socks on the floor again, and I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) Not that I'm speaking from experience, but you know, there are big issues. And now that we're older and a little wiser, I can look back and know, okay, that moment in 2015, when Ben thought he could let that roll off his back and I trusted him. We both were very wrong. That is not an issue of, you know, you weren't, you didn't show up on time to our lunch date or something random. You know, it's not, that's not a small issue that you can let roll. That's like a boulder that if it rolls on you, it's going to crush you. So in that moment, we should have been wiser. I feel like to at least incorporate one or two people that we trusted 
and have them walk us through that because we were a little too big for our britches in that moment to think like we can solve this on our own. And especially with what Ben touched on, when we thought we were living a God-centered life and looking back, you know, we really weren't. It just wasn't part of our everyday journey, especially like it is now. But I think that was a big part of the issue. So within this story, kind of give us the timeline. Like how, how long was it before this came out and, and you began to create a small community of people that you trusted to, to try to navigate these walls? Well, we, that night Ben caught me was probably around August ish of 2015. You know, dates better than I do. Actually, can I, can I ask how, how long was, was this process? So was it, was it a few weeks, a month, something like that? Um, until we really started to seek true healing, it was two years I wish we could say it was a few weeks or a few months, but we went through the rest of 2015 continuing infertility treatments. And December of 2015, we had another negative test, and I was just to the point where I was drained. I couldn't go on. And Ben, like I said, was super supportive and open to adoption. And he, you know, we decided to start um, the foster care certification process. And we became licensed foster parents in May of 2016. So about five months later, um, and four days later, we had a baby girl in our arms. And so now we're doing life still not fully healed. I'm in the position of, I'm a new mom, you know, Ben's a new dad. And I have just these waves of overwhelming guilt coming over me. Like, I can't believe I did that. I still wasn't able to forgive myself. And I knew God had forgiven me. I knew that his word is true. And when we ask for his forgiveness, he, he wipes it away. You know, it's gone. And I knew that to be true. And so I couldn't understand why I still had this like heaviness on my heart. And I would ask Ben, like, are you okay? Are you over it? And I would bring it up. And then I would feel guilty for bringing it up because I was reminding him and making him deal with it all over again. And he would reassure me and say, I'm good. I told you I don't want to talk about it. Right. And, that, and, and know that the statement is not against her whatsoever. But when she brought it up, it was just like, can't we just throw this away? Can't we just put this behind us? So it was a constant reminder for me when I came home for only a day and a half. It wasn't like, hey, let's go out to dinner. Let's go to the park. Let's do this. Let's go to this. It was like right when I walked in the door, hey, how are you feeling about what I did to you? And it's like, uh, okay, let's get into this. We'll talk about it for about two hours. You'll cry for about an hour and 45 minutes. The 15 minutes I'm consoling you to calm down. And then, oh, it's nine o'clock at night and going to bed. So it wasn't a, now, like I said, it wasn't anything against her because it's, it was great that she communicated it to her. And I didn't like to me on my fault and I'll, it, Chris, I know this is weird. I'm saying something that is my fault. What? Hang on. Yeah, I know. Right. I'm glad we Maybe want to pause. Yeah. yeah. We've got this on, uh, on recording, but on my fault, I still had it in this back closet and I didn't really want to deal with it. Due to the fact that I was 
wanting to just move on from it. I didn't want to talk about it, but then she continued to bring it back up and the feelings like it wasn't as hot as it was when I first found out about it, but it was like, who am I like that? She would do something to that, to me like that. So moving on from, we got our baby girl, shout out Brooklyn in 2016. And we lived the rest of that year as new parents and we were, you know, I feel feel like just moving to our day-to-day routine, still those cycles of my guiltiness would come up and would console me. I would be like, okay, you're right. I'm fine. And we'd move forward and it would just start all over. 2017 came and Ben was traveling pretty much nonstop at this point. Like he said, he'd be home for a day. And sometimes I would just fly to the next location. Yeah, I'd be gone for like three weeks in a row. So Megan, let me ask you this. And this is, this is obviously another blunt question, but had Ben not stormed into the room and caught you Mm -hmm. because he was traveling so much, obviously this would have been easy to continue. Correct. Honestly, where I was at, I remember constantly saying like this this can't keep happening. The guy who I was communicating with wanted it to go much further than it ever did. Um, it definitely was physical. We never actually had sex. Still very inappropriate. Um, and I remember thinking, like, I I can do this, but I could never do that. And so, yeah, I think I. it's hard to say what you would do in a situation. I want to stand here and say I would have never let it go further. I also didn't think I would ever find myself in that position to begin with. Um, can I can I ask real fast how long? Because I know, but how how long did this actually go on with with him? I it was about maybe a month, a month and a half. And did you two. like the second that Ben confronted you and you poured it out? Was that was that it? That was it. I literally, I Ben kicked me out that night. I left. And I texted that guy and said, Ben knows, and I don't ever want to talk to you again. And I literally have never talked to him again. Yeah, I think it comes to a caught caught factor. A lot of things, and I'll talk to the mic here. Sorry about that. Um, But um, I think it comes into the caught factor of, I think she would have, and I'm speaking for her here, um, due to the fact that she wasn't, I'm saying due to the fact a lot, so I apologize. I'm going to try to stop doing that. Um, I caught her and it freaked her out. As I said, the preteen boy looking at porn, you know, it was like, she was like, Oh, I shouldn't be doing this now. Like, I think that she would, I could like, once again, I'm speaking for her. Um, and, but she's shaking her head. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Um, so Well, here, no, I have to ask you, do you think, though, because you weren't traveling that much yet, right? Do you think you would have traveled as much had your marriage not have taken this Mm, turn? That's a good question. I love traveling. Um, I loved the uh, I took her on traveling on on trips. Um, We went to Seattle together. Where else did did we go to Canada? Did you go to Toronto with me? No, you only took me on one trip. Oh, I only took her on one trip. Oops. I just thought, <laughs> I just sound, tried to sound like I was a great husband. And I, her, 
all the places, but all I only took her to uh, Seattle. Which was fun. Which was fun, but I never really got to spend time with her um, because I was in the um, studio from 4 o'clock in the morning till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So she got to tour Seattle by herself. Side yeah. note. Once again, another <laughs> It's okay, it's man. Fun. You're so, a rookie, but at least you have a radio voice. So people are <laughs> still falling asleep, it. like being soothed. Yeah. This okay. is Crystal Style on 101. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> okay, so... Take us to, you said you had the, you had Brooklyn, you guys have this new baby, we're in 2016 now, move us forward, what, what happened, what happened next, because there's more. Oh, there's a lot more. We get to 2017, and like I said, Ben's traveling nonstop, and February 12th, I remember, man, I remember that date. He had been acting so strange the week before, and I thought, oh, my gosh, maybe he's planning something sweet for me for Valentine's Day. And I was like, this is so sweet. I was, like, really expecting that. And then he was flying home. He had flew home Friday night, and Saturday morning was busy. He he said he had to meet one of his best friends for breakfast Ben is a very relational guy. He is very close to his friends. And so I thought, okay, maybe his friend's going through something. Not a big deal. Although deep in my heart, I was kind of resentful. Like, I'm home with these kids. We had another foster daughter at that time, too. So we had two kids. Um, I am home nonstop. I need a break. You're out playing all week at your job. I was working. Yeah. And you were working, but... I also was jealous of your steak dinners and fancy excursions all the time. So you would come home and I thought, I need a break. I need a moment. And anyway, beside the point, you were gone that Saturday morning. I I just felt in my spirit something was up. And Sunday, you were getting ready to fly to Vegas. I had a this is February. The Christmas tree was in the basement still. And I was like, will you please put this in the closet? And I was not asking that kindly because I was super annoyed. And I remember you just like lashed out. And I was like, what is wrong with you? And you were like, nothing. And I was like, no, I know something's up. Tell me. And you said, I want a divorce. And I was like, what? You know, I was completely blindsided in that moment. Um, and you just said, I'm not over what happened. I see, I have a memory like a goldfish when I want to get rid of things, um, in my head. So that was another, what she just said there was kind of a replay of like, Oh, that did happen. Um, I just call it, I just, like I said, I have a goldfish of a memory when it comes to the things that I do not want to remember because I like, why remember those bad times why harbor on those bad times when we can look at the positivity that is moving forward but you can also learn from those bad times too as i've what I've i think learned. we balance each other out in that because i can really get caught up in like replaying those yep. and even in our smaller fights that's how we deal with things if i'm annoyed with you i have to talk about it with you 50 times and like really go through every detail mm-hmm. and you're like Okay, (laughs) you can be mad and then not mad the next second, but it takes me a little time to get over it. And that obviously carries over into these huge issues. You know, I 
I had to process through that a lot. And now I can speak about it freely and have peace that passes understanding without the pain of that moment. But I do remember every little detail because it was so traumatic. So from that point, Megan, Ben tells you, I want a divorce. This is what, a year and a half into this? So, yeah, I mean, we were, yeah, about a year and a half. So a year and a half, Ben repressed all of this. It wasn't dealt with appropriately looking back probably, Absolutely. right? And then Ben says, Megan, I want a divorce. And then is this the time where you start to reach out to community? Um, what takes place moving forward? Yes. In that moment, an hour later, Ben left. He flew to Vegas for work. And I reached out to my close friends and said, my world is exploding. I called my best friend right away. And I was like, you've got to get here. Because I was just sick. I couldn't even function. Um, When I am angry, it consumes my mind. Um, When there's an issue, it consumes my mind. So on this larger scale, I was honestly just, I couldn't function. So thank God for the community in our lives and that I had, first of all, friends who I could be completely honest with and say, I cheated on Ben. And they weren't like, oh my gosh, you are, you're, you deserve this. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't put me on blast. They didn't, they really showed me the love of Christ and said like, oh my gosh, Meg, I'm so sorry that times were that hard that you did that. And I'm so sorry that, that you are where you are right now. I feel terrible for Ben. And they really showed me grace and said, you messed up. That was wrong. I can't believe you did that, but we love you and we're here for you. And we're going to walk through this with you. And they surrounded me. They helped me with the kids. They helped me function. And at this point, Ben and I have a lot of close friends. We are super relational. We love community. Yeah. I mean, I was adopted myself. So that's kind of the reason why we went down the adoption foster route. Um, Cause I look as my friends and to get off of infertility. Um, I mean, um, family is not just blood. And I know that's hard for some people to grasp. This was a little bit easier for myself due to the fact that I was adopted. Um, my adoptive parents are my parents. They are my mom and dad. My friends are my brothers and sisters. Like I'm going to do anything for, for them as what a brother and sister would do. So, so we had this deep base. So along with that came a lot of support and a lot of love, a lot of honesty, a lot of truth. Also, it meant we had to tell the story to a lot of people, which was super painful at that point in time. So that was really the beginning, even though it felt like everything was crumbling and everything was not salvageable. In that moment, it was the beginning of true healing. So Megan, did you, when Ben said that, did you reach out to community and, and Ben didn't know that? that you were telling a story and trying to gain support uh, because I specifically remember as, as you guys as friends, me and you had a conversation and I was like, I got to talk to Ben, me and you, Ben went to lunch. Um, and I don't think you knew that I knew because I was just kind of asking you about everything with, with work and all the good things that were going on with you. 
And at the very end, I kind of insinuated that I knew, and then, and then, and then you kind of figured it out. Um, but, but I know you guys weren't communicating a whole lot, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, Chris. Um, because right when I was pulling away to drive to um, the airport, her best friend calls me <laughs> and says, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "What are you talking? What am I doing?" Like, I felt that I had the right to do what I wanted to do because of what she did to me. And um, I didn't know how many people she told, but Megan does become loose at the jaw when <laughs> there loose is... Loose at the jaw. Yeah. What a term, right? Yeah. You guys can use that anytime. Copyrighted by <laughs> okay. Ben Valine. Grizzle style. Grizzle Under underscore style. <laughs> That's my Instagram. I feel like this is the only infidelity episode that could uh, get laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> we do take this very seriously for the record. Just I thank God we are at a point now that we can discuss it and also laugh. But we do take it very seriously. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I forget what I was going to say. I, I'm going to ask. So... Now you guys had this conversation. You're reaching out to people. I know you separated. When did that happen? So. We separated in February, right? No, we didn't. We, I moved out in May. Um, So February happened. Ben flew to Vegas. I'm calling in the troops. I am like, if you are my friend, you need to be in my home right now because I can't function. Literally, I don't think I was alone for the first week at all. We didn't, you and I didn't speak until you left on a Sunday. We finally spoke on a Thursday. You called me and. Yeah, I was in Vegas and she kept on messaging me, calling me, and I just kept on ignoring it, ignoring it. I was hanging out with my buddy who lived up in Vegas. We were bouncing around from place to place and place. Once I got off of work, um, actually, didn't I stay out there for the weekend and actually went to another location or something like that? I forget. Yeah, I think you you stayed a little longer. But I remember talking to you on Thursday and I thought, he's going to come to his senses and it's going to be fine. And on Thursday, I was like, hey, what's going on? And you were like, oh, my gosh, I feel awesome. I've never felt better. This is, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. I feel so light. And I, I think that was just the immediate... And obviously I'm speaking to your feelings, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you had carried a heavy burden for a year and a half and didn't tell anyone. And so to rewind a bit. And I went to Vegas right after I told you that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sweet. You know, like. I was, so double whammy there. Ben's the most sensitive of the bunch. Yeah, obviously. So that Saturday, to rewind a little bit, where I thought he was meeting with his friend because his friend was having a problem, Ben was actually opening up to his friend and saying, finally telling him what had happened and what went on and trying to process it a little bit. And I think you told him, right, that you were going to yeah, tell I, me you wanted a divorce. So. That was with, uh, was that with, uh, am I able to, yeah, I'll say it. Was that with Andy? That was <laughs> yeah. Andy, right? Shout yeah. out Andy. Yeah, shout out AB. Um, yeah, I think we uh, we sat down. I told him everything. Once again, I have a goldfish memory on this kind of situation because some of this stuff is being relived. And I sat down with him, and he was his eyes were like, "Huh? Like yeah. what?" And he was like, "Well, you know, I'm looking after you. You know, I'm making sure that you're okay as well as." 
you know, he wanted to make sure that he was saying all the right things to me, but also making sure that, you know, I might need to talk to Megan about this a little bit as well. Um, but he knew the nuclear bomb was about to be dropped in the next yeah. half hour after I left. I think I got us sidetracked a little bit. No, 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 you're fine. Uh, so, so quick recap, right? Ben says, I want a divorce. And what is unique about the situation, I think, is that Ben, like, correct me if I'm wrong, you felt a sense of freedom. You're like, dude, now I can go do what I want. I said I need a divorce. I'm going to Vegas. I'm I'm being wined and dined by my company. Meanwhile, Megan's at home and you're probably like, hey, serves her right. And now you have a sense oh, of freedom, yeah. having fun, doing your thing. And I remember, Ben, when I went to uh, when I went to lunch with you and we were talking, I, w- I was asking you questions. I was like, hey, man, like, I know, I know you and Megan are right for each other. I know, I know this is probably hard. I, I can't, you know, understand what you guys are going through, but I do know you guys are a strong couple and you can get through this with God and all, all these things. And I remember you were very, you were very cold about it. You're like, dude, I'm, I'm done because I could see as a friend, I was like, dude, he's totally finding his identity in, in the freedom of, you know, being one and dying and achievement and all those things. And then to fast forward things, um, I remember, um, I remember kind of going back to Megan and being like, Hey, like this is, this is, this is where Ben's at, you know? Um, and then, uh, and then, well, you talk behind my back always, <laughs> like all the time. Um, but I remember after, after you guys had reconciliation of this situation, the conversation me and you had been was like, you were a new man. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that was because we we really started praying for you guys. I know your your uh, circle of friends. We were all praying for you guys, um, and this was a long process. Okay, so how long? Ben says this, and it didn't just heal itself. You guys actually separated for a little while. How long were you separated? What did that look like? And then let's move towards the the good stuff, the healing. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Yes. <laughs> After Ben told me he wanted a divorce and he went to Vegas and had that, Ben had that great week and I had that really horrible week. There were a lot of weeks like that to follow, but we did get a chance to talk eventually when he came home and he was still dead set. When Ben gets his mind made up, it is made up. And even if he's wrong, even if he is wrong, (laughs) Very small chance. Usually, usually you're right. What? Sometimes. Thank you, babe. (laughs) Majority of the time. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember you were sitting on our stairs. Obviously, I remember all these little details. And I was pacing nervously because I just can't control myself. And you were like, look, I know this is what I want. And I want it done as quickly as possible. You gave me a two-week window and said, figure out what you want, if you want the house, if you want the car, whatever, and write it down. Let's avoid the court. We'll go to mediation, and this will be done. And I was, in that moment, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. If you want a divorce, I will draw this out as long as I can because I know that's not what we should do. And I knew that that's not what 
God had ordained our relationship for. And I, I was to the point of, listen, take Brooklyn, um, because I don't want her to have a in and out dad. Like I, that, that was my mindset. I'm stupid for thinking that, but my mindset was like, listen, I love her so much that I'm going to step out of her life. We hadn't adopted her yet. Yeah. So she was still in foster care. Um, at this point, our other foster placement was moved. And so we had just Brooklyn and we knew her situation was probably going to be long-term with us. We weren't a hundred percent sure, but that was also devastating to me. I thought like, how can you walk away? There was so much hurt on both sides. Ben felt like, how could you walk away from our marriage and do that to me? And I felt like, how, how can you turn your back? At, why didn't you tell me over that year and a half that you were struggling? How can you walk away from our baby? It was just, as humans, we can hurt each other so much. So I finally convinced Ben to try a six-month separation. I was like, you know what? If you really want this and this is what you're set on, at least let's separate for a little bit. I actually don't know if I said six months. That sounds like mm. a long point at this time. but Right. You just finally agreed to separate. Yeah. I was like, let's, let me move out and I'll give you some space. And you see what life is like without us here on the weekends and see if that's really what you want. And so around May, I moved out. May was an eventful month because right after I moved out, you also got laid off from your job. Yeah, that luxury, high living life that I was living, I get laid off. Hashtag humbled. Mm, wow. <laughs> Hashtag river monster. <laughs> so... I remember moving out finally with Brooklyn and you calling me and telling me I just lost my job. And I thought I had two extremely different thoughts. I was like, oh, no, he's going to hit rock bottom. This is terrible. And at the same moment, I was like, huh, let's see how life is going to be now. So I was kind of conflicting personalities there, but more of the later half <laughs> really felt some type of way about that. So I continued living on my own. We would speak briefly, not a ton. Like Brooklyn would come over maybe like once in a blue moon because she had to go do something or yeah. she had to do and no one else was able to um, watch her. So I would either she would either drop her off at my place or I would go over to her place and just chill. I'm guessing she probably prayed over the whole house before <laughs> I even walked in the Some of that room. was a little bit on purpose and some of it was a little bit like I'm a single mom right now and I'm about to die and I need help. Um so fast forward a little bit, we lived in that awkward stage for a moment. July 21st, 2017. I get a phone call. It's like 1 a.m. in the morning. I get a phone call from Ben, and he is like, hey, I need you to come pick me up. And I... I was obliterated. I was a little bit like, what are you doing? And he said, I'm super drunk. I'm down on the river, and I'm with a friend, and my friend wants to drive home. He's also drunk. We're towing a boat, and... I don't want to get in the car with him because there's cops everywhere. And I was like, okay, where are you? He's like, I don't know. And my phone's on 1%. I was like, okay, well, 
Send me your location. Stay off your phone. Ben's a planner. Yeah, Ben is. <laughs> Ben's not a planner. He's not a planner. <laughs> Ben's offended. I'm not even going to say anything, even though I just said something. Um, so I, thankfully, my uh, niece, who is just a few years younger than me, was at my house. She stayed with Brooklyn. I left to go get Ben. Three minutes later, he calls me. Hey, I'm on my way home. Don't worry about it. He had gotten in the car. Thankfully, no one got a DUI that night and no one died. Don't drive drunk for the record. We don't endorse that. You got so, really close to the mic there. Sorry. I really wanted them to hear that. Yes. That's an important message. Very important. Message. If you get nothing else from this, I'm just kidding. So... At that point, I was like, okay, he, I've never seen Ben drunk. This was my first drunk Ben experience. And I was kind of curious. I also wanted to make sure he got home safely. So I drove over to his house, which used to be our house, waited in the driveway. He got home and stumbled in the house. I followed him in and he just starts bawling his eyes out and starts telling me like, I just, I do love you and I miss you guys. And this is really hard. And this is not Wait, what I so want. I know you want to tell him, just tell him, just tell him what <laughs> he I said. also, Ben is a man of analogies. If you haven't noticed that yet. And he will say just the most random things that you're like, but it's right. That make no sense. No, this one does. All make of my sense. analogies right now has been, Pretty spot on. Sometimes they don't make sense, but I can't even think of an analogy you've used except for the fish. Oh my gosh, I'm not even going to go with you. What about the preteen one? That that was pretty good. Okay, that was a good one. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) So this is going to be your favorite analogy of all. Ben looks at me and said, "It's kind of funny now." In the moment, I was soaking it all up. He goes, "You know, I've always had love for you deep in my heart." Kind of a little place like Whoville. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, you know, like in the movie, you know, like in Whoville, like it's like in a pollen, like when it's like flying in a around flower? in a flower, like and it's like in a dandelion or whatever it is. I'm looking at you and not talking in the mic, but it's kind of like the dandelion and like it keeps on zooming in further and further and further. And then all of a sudden there's Whoville and there's just like this cheer of a place. And I was like, and that's how I felt at the time. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of, that's typical Ben. That's yeah. kind of awesome. So Ben continued with his Whoville analogy. And at that point I thought, one, this is hilarious and I need to record him. And two, he might be speaking some drunk truths right now. And he goes on to say, I'm ready to meet with our pastors. I'm ready to, to just see if they can help us. And I kept recording him. And the next, I went home the next morning. I sent him the video and said, Do you still feel this way? And he said, Yes, which I was shocked about. And he came over and um, we ended up hanging out that day. And that was honestly kind of the turning point, which is shocking. Was that the first sign of hope that you had felt that maybe this was going to work? Yes. Because before that, when I would say, like, is there any chance? Is there anything in you? He would say, no, not really. 
and it was devastating mm-hmm. to me. But I, God gave me this love for Ben, even though that from February to mm-hmm. July, there was so much hurt and so much pain and so much heaviness. And I felt, I felt betrayed a little bit emotionally at that point because he had just turned away and walked away. And in his mind, that was a just thing to do. But in my mind, I felt so unvalued and worthless to him. And so I forgot where I was going. It's okay. I want to, so when, when you're saying this, this is kind of a side note, but Chris and I often say when we're going through tough things, we're like, wow, when we said our vows on our wedding day and we said, you know, better or worse and all this stuff, never did we know what we were, we did not really realize what we were saying. Absolutely. Like when you say those words, I guess, I don't know. Does that make you feel, it makes us feel like one, we were really young when we got married, but the vows you say are so, what's the word I'm looking for? What am I trying to say here? Well, I think, I think a lot of us are like, oh, well, we're not going to experience the worst. It's just all going to be the better. Yeah, sure. That will never happen to me. Yeah. Right. Right. And so when the worst comes, you're like, oh, shoot, is this it? I don't think. I don't think I can handle this. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think that's a great point, babe. So let's unpack this part, guys, because as as close friends, we know this, and this is what brings so much power to the story, is that not only were you guys in the process of adopting Brooklyn, which was affected if you guys had chosen not to be together, correct? It was for question at that point. Okay. I was hiring attorneys and yeah. they actually at one point said, you might have to go ahead and legally divorce him if you want to adopt her on your own. And I, that was the first point that I got to where I was like, man, I might actually have to give him what he wants. Because I, as I was saying, like God gave me this renewed love for him, even though Ben was being not the Ben I fell in love with. And, and dealing with it in a way that I didn't want him to deal with it in. And he was, you know, I'm not saying it was right or wrong or anything like that, but I'm just saying that God renewed my love for him. And even though he would say these hurtful, terrible things, I would just fall deeper in love with him. And God just kept giving me that steadfast love. And I kept praying for eyes to see Ben like God sees him because I knew that the Ben that Ben was being was not the Ben that he was created to walk in. And so, yeah, our adoption process was also a huge thing in my life. And I was really worried that that might be affected. So at some level, correct me if I'm wrong, you had a choice. It was, I've, I've always wanted a family. We, would go, we went through these infertility treatments. Here's my opportunity to have a family. And it's more or less guaranteed if we divorce and we get this going, or I risk the fact of losing the opportunity to have a family to save my marriage. Yes. And in my mind as a mother, I was so deeply bonded to Brooklyn. There was never a chance that I would have ever given her up to save my marriage because I knew I can divorce Ben and move forward with Brooklyn, which was always 100% what I was going to do, move forward with Brooklyn. But if I had to divorce Ben, he and I could get remarried. and But I could never get Brooklyn back. And so that was my mindset. I knew, okay, God, if you're going to be in the business of restoration, you're going to work this out and I'm not going to have to divorce my husband and I'm going to get Brooklyn. 
And thank God that happened. The courts finally said, okay, we see that you are stable on your own. And even though you guys aren't legally divorced, you can move forward. So the courts knew about this. Yes. I had to be open and honest with all my social workers because when you're going through an adoption process, they need to know every detail of your life. And I wasn't about to risk losing her by not being honest. So guys, from this point on, was this a slow process? Ben's at the point where he's open to this, but where exactly were you at, Ben? I mean, obviously, Megan said you were drunk during this conversation. So you guys wake up in the morning, you you talk about it, but but Ben, where were you at in in regards to seriously wanting to fix this? I was there. I wasn't fully committed. I was probably 50-50. Um, during that time, I was already talking to a girl um, in a location that I'm not going to say because maybe this person uh, might have friends that listen in to this, um, but was in a location um, where she was dealing with the exact same thing that I was, where their spouse was um, not loyal, that wasn't um, there for them. Um, so we we kind of really confined in ourselves with that and built our relationship off of that. So I didn't drop her cold turkey when I told that to Megs because I didn't know where, like, oh, I see this over here that looks all great and shiny, and this is literally a pile of rubble. I wanted to make sure that I held on to something like this over here before to see if the structure would actually build um, back. I wanted it to build back, but I wasn't for sure if there was too many scars to build it back, if you get what I mean. So how did you guys get to the point where you were like, you know what? The grass isn't greener on the other side. We're going to build this back up. Right. So um, I relied on my pastor. My pastor has been a very, very, very big part in my life um, because he knows who I am. And a lot of my friends know who I am. You need to shoot me straight. It might be hurtful. It might be um, very uh, demeaning, but I need that. I've always been in sports. I've always needed somebody to kind of be like, you're an idiot. Stop doing what you're doing. Like you're being a complete fool. Like I need those words in my life because that's just how I've always been corrected. If someone comes up to me like a psychologist, like she asked me, Hey, we should go to a psychologist. I said, no, because they're going to be sitting there saying, well, how do you feel? And what's your feelings on this? And I'm like, no, just tell me I'm being an idiot. And I'll be like, okay, cool. That doesn't work for everyone, though. So I will say, if you are listening and thinking about going to counseling, there is nothing wrong with that. Exactly. I I totally agree with that. But that was, to answer Chris's question, that's where we started going forward, was we sat down on my pastor's back porch with his wife, and I was like, yeah, they're going to let her have it, what she did, and yada, yada, yada. It was totally the opposite. It was fire and broomstick. Like literally like you're the one who has been causing this situation. You are doing this. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> to be Sorry. fair. Fire and brimstone, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering. I was broomstick, like, yeah. Did they hit you with the broomstick? That's stick, one of those analogies that yeah, that didn't was, fly. Listen, I agree with <laughs> that. That's that, not an that was a metaphor. So you're safe on that, Ben. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. That's good. Broomstone. Yeah. Fire so, and brimstone. Pop, pop. 
to be fair, though, in that moment, our pastors did let Ben have it. I had had previous conversations with them as well, and it told them where I was. Look, I know I messed up. I have a repentant heart about it. I fully admit that. I take full responsibility. So they weren't saying like, oh, well, she did that because it's your fault. That's not what they were saying. They were just saying like, now at this point, she wants to work on the relationship and she's willing to do what it takes and you're running the opposite direction. Yeah, that's that's true. where they were. Yeah, I don't want to put them on a pedestal and like, they hate people. No, No, they actually love. (laughs) So did they counsel you for a while? Um, Not. Not for me, um, Megan, for sure, um, because once again, I'm one of those guys that once I am corrected, I try to put my best foot forward mm-hmm. and move to the right direction. Now, with that being said, I still was talking to this girl because now my feelings is I'm not, I mean, I'm not attracted to you by your looks. I'm attracted to you due to the fact that... um I don't like, I know what you're going through right now, what your husband is going out and doing, you know, like I felt that kind of like emotional connection with her just to make sure that she was okay. And I still had no, I had a clue. There was another girl, the pretty much the entirety of this journey and our, his phone was off limits. If even when, after we had that conversation with our pastors and his phone was still off limits. So we still weren't a hundred percent in. I knew we were trying to mend this on our own, on our own will, but it kind of felt like we were running in a hamster. Yeah, Once again, on our own will, not on reaching out to what God really wanted us to mend. So we're ready. We're ready for the breakthrough. What happened that just completely flipped the script? Sunday, October 15th. Was it Sunday or night? Yeah, it was Sunday morning. Our pastor said, you know what? I'm just going to call a random evening service tonight. I We typically don't have Sunday evening service, but he just felt in his spirit that that's what God wanted to do. And thankfully, he was obedient to that. And he said, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to show up here at 6 p.m. Anyone who wants to join me can. And we had continued. I had gone to another church when I moved out just to give Ben space at his home church because that was his church first. And I wanted him to still experience God in whatever way he could because I knew that was our only hope. And he had continued going pretty consistently, even if he was hungover or a hot mess. I wasn't sober. Yeah, so he was physically there, mentally, not so much. So anyway, we went to this evening service, and I remember standing in the back of our church, and I was holding Brooklyn and trying to keep her quiet and bouncing her around. There wasn't any child care because it was a randomly called service. And I remember looking forward and seeing all these people standing up, praising God, engaged in service, and seeing Ben just sitting in the middle. And I thought man, why are we even here? Why am I trying to keep this baby quiet? It's her bedtime. And we're at this church service just to be here. That's so silly. And so I felt like I was like, I'm just going to go sit by Ben. I just felt that draw to my spirit. And 
ultimately I was going to tell him, let's just go. This is pointless. And I sat down beside him and I looked over and I saw tears just streaming down his face. Um, and what Megan didn't know, um, and I don't advise this whatsoever, I gave God an ultimatum. I said, if you really want this relationship to move forward, she was sitting away from me as she was saying, rocking the child. Um, and she, and I told God, and I was sitting there praying, crying. Um, everyone was kind of hooping and hollering. And I said, God, I said, if you really want this to happen, if you want us to mend this relationship back, um, she's going to be sitting by me here in the next minute or so. And um, you'll want us to move forward um, from here on out. And that's when uh, literally was praying. And then that's when she came over. So I sat down and said, are you okay? And he said, no. And first of all, for him to admit that, I was like, okay, finally, finally, you're being honest. So I'm asking you if you're okay. And I said, you have to let this go. And I handed our baby girl off to someone and said, can you hold her for a second? And Ben just stumbled up to the altar and we. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't walk. It was, it was crazy. Not because you were drunk. No, you were just no, sad, right? Just <laughs> Thankfully, this time I was sober. No, I had Jesus all over me. But ironically, the two turning points in our story, you were stumbling. And the first night when you called me just obliterated and stumbling into the house, which I vividly remember. And then this night, stumbling up to the altar. That was the moment that everything changed. And God's spirit fell. And I just saw guys come around you. And, and just lay hands on you and pray over you. And I just looked at you and you looked like the man that I fell in love with. You were back. And I remember I just waited and you came up and you hugged me. And it just felt like healing fell in that moment. And people prayed over us together. We prayed together. And I'm not saying things were perfect from then on out. But I will say that in that moment, the Holy Spirit did more work in three minutes than years and years and years of counseling could have ever done. And like I said, nothing against counseling. I'm a big promoter of that. But I will say, like, for us, true healing came when we humbled ourselves before God and when the Holy Spirit fell that night on our marriage and just took away that pain and set us back on the path before God. That's such a powerful story, guys. And uh, I think the weight of this now is now looking forward to where we are and where you guys are and how and how this has been something that that has strengthened your marriage. And I think you guys could agree this, this didn't happen to you. This happened for you. Absolutely. Um, and now looking at your family, let, let's talk about this. This is this is what's so amazing when it happens. When we say things don't happen to you, they happen for you. And and the faith you guys had in God. So to take it back a little bit, you guys were struggling with infertility. You guys wanted to start a family. All of these things happen. Okay, your your marriage started to fall apart based on based on the infidelity. 
Ben had resentment and you guys come together and it almost affected the adoption process. Now, you guys not only have your baby girl, Brooklyn, but you guys have put another family together in baby Moses um, and baby Nash. And the incredible part of this is if your marriage wouldn't have been restored, there would be two families out there that you guys otherwise wouldn't have had an amazing part in bringing together and actually giving them true love and showing them and showing them what a good godly couple can be in their lives. You know, as you were speaking, I just realized we will actually adopt Moses on October 15th, which is Nuh-uh. Are you kidding? Yeah. Me? Oh my gosh, that's So just to see how these dates have lined up and to let the listeners in on this, and we haven't said this yet, but July 21st was a turning point when Ben called me that night and was drunk and whatever. And two years from that date, so just this past July, um, we actually were announced at church as the youth pastors. And just to think back, you know, two years ago, And how I wondered if Ben would ever follow God again the way he is called to. And now to see where we are and how God is using us and how Ben is in such close relationship with Christ. And it's truly the center of our marriage now. We were youth pastors at our church. We have officially adopted Brooklyn together. We have a little boy, Moses, who we will adopt. Tuesday, October 15th, which was the night of that evening service where God's healing fell. And we also will have the privilege early next year of adopting his biological baby brother, who we have right now. So what I want to make sure they got a grasp of that because you hit it really, really, really quick is that the night that what was it? Was it the night that we met or the night that I said that I wanted to um, start working on things was July 21st, two years later on the exact date we were announced as youth pastors, um, for our church. All three dates aligned. Yeah. Do you know what's going through my head as you're saying that? And I said this before that elevation worship song, see a victory where he says, um, God takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good, man, has he not, turned this for good. I just can't imagine, you know, knowing where you were at and wondering and now flashing forward, you never could have imagined that you guys could be in this position. And and I just, I have chills. I mean, I just, I mean, obviously I know and love you. So it's, it's making me emotional over here, but that's, Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's amazing. So in hindsight of this whole, of this whole journey, you guys took us through. If you were, if you were to, have a couple in front of you that had a very similar situation to you guys, because that's the whole point in sharing your story, right? What would you have done differently? For me is communication that in my eyes, a man should be a man. I've always said that, but there's a little bit of, um, kind of leeway here of make sure that you're communicating your feelings. Cause I feel that 
a man should be a man. But I think in the older generation was like, you don't share your feelings. You deal with your feelings. And I think that's what has caught up this male generation of, hey, we need to make sure that we have an accountability partner. Like, for instance, if me and Chris were to have lunch every Thursday or Friday or whatever it was, that we could be able to be like, hey, man, I was dealing with this. You know, you don't have to tell the whole world, but just as Megan kind of said, make sure you have an accountability partner that you're talking to on a weekly basis. I mean, I talk to some of my friends on a daily basis just due to the fact that I love to build the relationship even stronger. And I'm open and honest with people when I do have those conversations Um, and just to have those kind of um, true conversations with an accountability partner. I think that's valuable. And obviously I would have liked if we dealt with this when it happened. Um, And that's, I think what you were alluding to the fact that you were kind of just pulling up your pants and dealing with it like a strong man would do, but really a godly man is a man who is humble enough to express his feelings and be vulnerable and say like, you know, I, I don't know how to deal with this and I don't know where this is going to go, but you know, let's just give it to God and let's see what happens. Yeah. I think I'm going to actually use that term a lot more instead of being a manly man, be a godly man. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. But I would say to the couple who is facing this right now, hold on to hope. I will tell you that your relationship will never be the same, but you don't want it to be. Because that's where you got into this situation. So, you know, our relationship isn't how it was because obviously it wasn't great or I we wouldn't have, you know, walked this road. Our relationship is 100% free. That weight is lifted off. You know, we don't, like Ben said, neither of us are on a super tight leash. We know boundaries now. We know what's appropriate. We know when our heart is getting led in the wrong direction. But there is 100% trust in one another, and that can be restored. I know that was a fear for a long time. Like, will I ever be able to trust this person again? And I just want to tell you, it can be healed, and there is hope, and don't give up. Don't let the enemy steal what God has set before you, because you have no idea what's over that horizon. You have no idea what good is to come. So hold on to hope. And for the people who are listening who think, that would never happen to me. Guard your heart and really just have that open communication, have the accountability partners and strengthen your marriage. And I know this is not everyone's story and I'm so thankful for that. I don't wish this upon anyone, but I will say I am so thankful for the road that we have walked and where we are now. So powerful guys. Thank you for sharing your story Thank you for allowing it to be to be a teaching point um, that, like you said, something you guys have walked through that I believe can can radically change other people by by them just having the self awareness of realizing, wait, maybe I'm not setting boundaries, maybe I'm repressing my feelings from something that's happened, uh, but overall, maybe maybe we're not communicating on a level that we need to be communicating because if you wrap this story up in a pretty pink bow, like I said, is you guys dealt with infertility, not knowing if you could have a family, and your infidelity 
led to not only you having a big family, but keeping several several families of you know brothers and sisters together that you guys are willing to do through adoption, and now having a stronger marriage that you really truly centered around God. Yeah. We're so thankful for that, and we appreciate you letting us share our story on this platform. We love what you guys are doing, and we just want to give the glory to God for what he's done for us. Ben, do you have one more thing to say? Yeah. Hashtag River Monsters. <laughs> and my Instagram is grizzle underscore style. Oh wow. <laughs> to end, I'm joking. You know what? This, this is who this couple is. You know, if, if you ever come to Ohio, oh gosh, now everyone's like, come on out. It'll be a fun time. Everyone's ugly crying slash laughing. Well, but yeah. at the end of the day, th- this is a very serious topic, but th- yes. this is an amazing couple that, that can bring, uh, life to any situation and uh and guys thank you so much for listening to the episode today if this is something you feel like would impact other people please do share it um so we can get this message out to as many people as possible that need to hear this but ben and megan thank you so much for being on the show guys Uh, thanks for having us